0: Welcome to the Shamanic Author Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. Are you a coach, holistic or spiritual entrepreneur struggling to write your first book? The Shamanic Author Podcast will help you release that resistance inside yourself so you can access that state of being that writing requires. See, society has it all wrong. From a young age, we're told that we have to have the house, the degree, the fancy car to be happy. But The truth is, we have to become that state of happiness and then the material success follows you're human beings, not human havings, right? So I'm so excited for this episode today. Let's explore energy, alternative health, first-time author challenges, and book publishing marketing strategies. If this sounds like you, I want you to head over to mountainmindtricks.com ultimate guide for a free ultimate aspiring author guide. There's three steps in there that'll teach you exactly how to write a book that makes a big difference in your spiritual business, in your holistic or coaching practice. And if you want to know when the next episode is live, get updates, and learn more about the shamanic writing process, follow me on Instagram at mountain underscore mind underscore tricks. That's mountain mind tricks with underscores. Follow the podcast and subscribe to the show to make sure you get the notifications when I release new episodes. me and Drasko go deep into journaling, into copywriting, into the mindset that's required to sell more books. Now is a business coach and I think it's really important he came on because if an author wants to sell more books, ultimately they're going to have to become an entrepreneur and use social media and email drips and podcasting and YouTube channels, whatever they want to use. But they are going to have to engage their audience and do some copywriting some marketing some sales and we talk about the mindset of sales marketing copywriting and how to wash away that used cars sell sales feeling when we start our business start our author business so what an amazing episode I'm excited for it let's just jump right in Welcome, everybody, to the show. And I'm so excited to have my guest on today. His name is Drasko Ricevic, and he's a business coach that helps other coaches normalize 10K months. And he uses journaling, processing through writing. And, and so, Drasko is not necessarily an author, but he's coming on the podcast to enlighten us with his journaling techniques, with his coaching that will help us have a bigger abundance mindset and and I think there's so many authors out there that could benefit from that abundance mindset. So Drasco could you introduce yourself and and let us know like where did your coaching journey start? Like where and how did that happen for you? Was there was there a journey to become a coach or yeah what was that like?
1: Wow, well I mean I'm I'm glad you uh you go for the easy question right off the bat. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so thank you for that introduction and uh, yeah. So my name is Drasko and uh, as you mentioned, I help coaches and kind of heart centered entrepreneurs really normalize 10K months uh, through how they think, feel and act uh, in alignment with that. So uh, how I got to that journey, just going to give you the Coles Notes version of that is in some capacity I've been coaching since I was 16. Um, I started out in martial arts uh, when I was a kid, got really into that and uh, quickly as I got better, um, you know, my coach just kind of put me in these teaching positions. Like I would teach the lower belts, I would teach the kids, I would teach the groups, I would then teach the like cardio kickboxing classes and it just kind of morphed uh, into that. And it was always something I enjoyed doing. And then I actually went to business school. I you know, graduated from that, started doing a nine to five, realized that wasn't for me. And because of that, I was like, okay, well, what is it that I enjoy doing no matter what, but I wanna make money at? So that ended up being like, okay, well, I know how to coach groups of people to do you know, exercise programs using martial arts. I'm like, let me go try to do that. And that really started my first journey into my first business, which eventually became a brick and mortar weight loss center. Um, but it started with just that doing these groups and then people started coming to me for weight loss. And I was like, this isn't the best modality to do this. So I started learning, okay, how do I then teach exercise? How do I teach nutritious? So and I got certified to be a nutritionist. I got certified in like, how do I like coach, uh, better in that developed a team. And, uh, That business went on for 10 years and uh, it actually imploded um, just before Corona started. So that was like a big, devastating blow. And the reason that it imploded uh, kind of subjectively was because of my own emotional blind spots and in many ways, emotional constipation. So, um, you know, I just made poor decisions because of that. And uh, that kind of led me into 2020, where now I'm trying to figure out, well, what is it that I'm going to do next, right? I've done this for so long, this is all I know. And uh, it turned out because I built my business using a lot of online marketing, like paid advertising, uh, I started getting contracts and retainers for other coaches and other um, small business owners to do what I did with the studio with them. And while that was going okay, it started to build up and I was like, I don't like to do this. And, and I was very, and like, I was like, I don't want to do any more coaching. This is not for me anymore. But when I kind of took a step back and I had done a lot of inner work in this past year and even leading up to that, I just got really honest with myself. And I said, you know what, even what I'm doing with these individuals, despite all this implementation work is I'm still coaching them. And that really then developed into like an honest conversation with myself. Like I need to get back into this so that I combined all of the work that I had done on myself throughout this last almost two years now, all of the aspects of thinking, feeling, and acting in accordance with my more authentic self and combining that with actually like coaching other coaches, of the basics of marketing. um, I just found a parallel that much like in weight loss, like it's not like every diet works just like every marketing tactic works. But it's like, why aren't we doing it like that? That's the more interesting question. So I kind of combined all of my knowledge, all the new stuff that I had, uh, you know, put together throughout this time into a program now and podcast called 10K Norm uh, that dives into that very aspect of how do you self-regulate yourself as a new coach going to this first milestone, getting through all of those emotions, working through all of those thoughts to get out of your own way, so you can actually implement the stuff that we do cover in the marketing bit. Um, so that's kind of a you know short but not so short version of how I got into uh, coaching and, and what's led me to here.
0: Oh man, thank you so much for sharing your your journey and and I think it's so amazing how sometimes we have these major failures or something happens with a business or um, for me it was like my career fell apart. And it turns out to be such a blessing, I think, in the end, and, and it takes a lot of work to get to that point of view. But I'm curious if there's kind of that, that gratitude with that business coming up for you yet that there's... It's almost like what I'm hearing is there's like these building blocks that you put together for this even better program, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the program that I have now is 10 million times better. And had I known and been able to practice and embody the stuff that I teach now, I think even like the stuff we did at the studio would have been so much more impactful for the clients. Um, And yeah, I mean, I agree with exactly what you said. It's, it's, I mean, it's like that Steve Jobs quote, like, like you can connect the dots looking backwards, but you can't do it looking forward. So while it does sound great to, you know, exclaim all these milestones and we do these types of interviews, that's kind of what the focus is. But the reality is there was, you know, a lot of shit that that went along with that, a, a lot of, uh, you know, moments that weren't all rainbows and sunshine. Uh, but ultimately the, the acronym that I always like with regards to these things is uh, for pain, right? There was a lot of pain in it, but the acronym for pain that I've anchored to the most is like, it stands for uh, presence, awareness, insight, new, right? So the pain gives you the presence to become aware of something that needs your attention and then from there, you gain the insight into something new, right? So that 110% has been the arc of uh, my story thus far. And I I mean, I don't doubt that it'll continue to also be the arc of whatever happens next.
0: Oh, man, I love that. This, this pain acronym, it's so true. I think, you know, we get lit up or something happens or we're just like, oh my God, I got to change something. And then we have this insight and there's this new path ahead of us and it's such a beautiful arc. I love the way you explain that. And and I want to ask you more about, about, I guess, journaling. I want to dive right into journaling. And how have you been using journaling this whole time during, as a coach, you know, through building this martial art weight loss programs, kind of this whole journey for you? Like, when did
1: journaling start for you? I mean, I think the better question is like, when did it not? <laughs> like, I actually don't remember a time that i didn't write something um i think i was journaling before like journaling was a thing or at least before it was a thing in my world and for me i think okay so i I guess i'll go into this because for me it was both a blessing and a curse so and and here's what i mean by this i've always had notebooks around where i would just write stuff basically let's just say at the most basic level I would be doing a lot of brain dumps. So I, I would use the journal, I would use the notebook as a mirror. I would use it as a reflection to externalize my thoughts so that I can then reinterpret them uh and and look at them again in, in a new light because if they're not circling in your head, it becomes a little bit more real when they're on the page. So that that is something that I've always just naturally gravitated to and it wasn't like I didn't have to build a habit to journal. It was just more, how do I get better at refining how I do that process? So that's number one. And then number two, what I meant with regards to it's a double-edged sword. So for somebody like me, who like my biggest kind of pain point was that my gift was was always an analytical and like intellectual. Like if it came to putting the pieces together, understanding things quickly, uh, looking for patterns, learning quickly, whatever, that just came naturally and and that was and is still a strength. The funny thing about strength is that they usually become um, the first thing that gets distorted, right? Like it is our strengths that ultimately uh, can lead us astray. And what I mean by that is because I was so focused on my head and solving problems with my head what i neglected for pretty much my whole life up until maybe the last three ish years um was essentially my body and my emotions so by constantly writing and trying to solve problems you do then run into this issue where i began to look at emotions as if i was looking at them like through glass right it's like oh I am clearly angry here. Oh, I'm clearly depressed. I'm clearly sad. I'm clearly this. So that has value in the awareness aspect and the understanding aspect. But it was only when I began to then realize and learn how important the emotional experience is, the somatic experience of what I was trying to get out of my head, that things actually began to crystallize. And and a big part of my program right now is actually teaching people like, Okay, if we're going to do these things, like whether it's like, you know, you're staring at a blank screen because you're trying to write something or you're staring at a blank screen because you're trying to market something. It's that same experience of writer's block. But the reality is, if you're trying to only solve it with your head and you're not actually then extending that to embody it, I think it can actually work against you because you're always going to be busy, but you're not necessarily going to be productive. So. I know that kind of went a little bit off tangent, but like, does that answer your question with regards to journaling?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And so interesting because while you're speaking, I, I, I started to connect the dots here and and I'm curious if if maybe there's a bleed over for you as well of of coming from the martial arts background. And, you know, I, I did Tai Chi and Kung Fu in high school and, and I can't say I went like, you know, I didn't do a lot, a lot of years of it, but I did enough to really understand the, the, the flow state. And I I did a lot of skateboarding and firefighting, a lot of like adrenaline-pumped experiences of my life. And so I'm really connected to that flow state. And kind of what I'm hearing is that there's, there's almost this connection between journaling flow state and processing and really like allowing that conscious mind to kind of get out of the way so we can actually feel our emotions and not analyze them, right?
1: Yeah, I would 100% agree with you. Um, The caveat that I would add is I think self-awareness and like really knowing yourself is going to be a determining factor to how it is you end up using all of these tools. So what I mean by that is like if – so for example, I'll just – I'll take myself for example. So right now when I use journaling, Like I will use it so that I can identify where the thoughts that I'm having either like below the surface or kind of, I just can't, like it's somewhere there, but I can't exactly like get the right thought that that's causing this feeling that I don't want, because I know that the feeling that I don't want is going to cause me to do the action that isn't going to get me the result that I want. So for me, that's how I use uh, journaling right now. As far as like a flow state goes, I think the flow state occurs when we do get those thoughts out of the way and you can actually just let the body do what it wants to do, right? So if it's in a martial arts thing, like if you've ever competed, like if you're in there thinking about what I should do next, you're going to lose because you're the reaction time just isn't there. Um, So the real like... And for people that do follow martial arts, like I think that same creativity that you find in art or you find in art or or in uh, writing, you can find in martial arts as well. And that's because when you subside that kind of primal brain that hijacks your your thinking, what you get is just a full expression of, of what is in the moment. Um, And, you know, that could happen in, you know, something violent, like a a UFC fight that can obviously happen when you're sitting down and, you know, whether it's for me, it was writing copy and marketing, like when it just clicks and you know exactly how to, you know, write that next thing. So I certainly had that um, experience and I would say even smaller moments of that flow state also tend to happen when you finally like get down to that core thought of, okay, this is what was causing this particular situation and it's just like when you see it in its light you get that sort of relief and to me that is also a flow state because you're allowing your your highest self to be embodied in that moment because you're basically looking beyond that the bs that you know your ego and your body puts in the way so yeah i think it's got many different parallels and it comes back to that like old samurai quote of like Um, you know, like once you know the way, you see the way in everything, right? So, like once you understand it in this, like, topic that you're, or this area that you're an expert in, you start to see it everywhere. So, hundred percent, I would agree with you on that.
0: Oh, I love that so much, and and I think I love that samurai quote and it's almost like you know that Bruce Lee idea of of practicing one kick that, like 10,000 times right and really mastering and 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 i think one of the biggest reasons why i really wanted to come on the podcast is cuz i realized when i was talking to you is that you know maybe you don't have a book but you spend a lot of time writing copy and copywriting is a very special tool and and i think it's something that um the authors, they can write a book all day, but then they actually go and try and sell their books and they have no idea how to write copy. And so I would love to hear more about, about your tricks and tips for writing copy that is inspiring, that actually leads to lead generations to filling your pipeline to getting sales calls, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a great question because I mean, I know I don't work with uh, directly anyway, like with authors and, and things like that. I mean, it the people I do work with have creative aspects to what they do, right? Like they, they like to have a certain aesthetic in their brand They, you know, like to show up in particular ways, the authenticity piece, I think we can all relate to as humans. Like how do I authentically, um, market and the biggest thing that usually pops up in this topic of how do I write copy? That's going to resonate with the people that need me most. Um, really for me always comes out like we, we can go into tips and tricks. Sure. Like if you have specific examples, but I think that the more general principles are more vastly applicable, which is to me like writing quality copy is, is really getting empathetic, right? Like quality copy is, is generally emotionally driven. So I, I'm going to take a guess here, but this is kind of how I thought about copy. It's like, if I'm writing for a character, Like I need to imagine what their life is like in such detail that I can describe it to a comic book artist and they'd be able to create that scene on paper and it would like display what I was trying to encompass. So in the phase of the 10K Norm program where we go into the marketing, uh, we have this process um, that... I get people to work through called the, the PACER process, which basically stands for um, like pain problem affect and how that relates to the solution and the result. So in this instance, with regards to like say, if my product was a book, um, and I, I'm gonna assume here it's like nonfiction for you know some sort of purpose, right? Like I need to imagine somebody's pain how that is a problem in their life, how it affects them day to day. So I'll give you a general example, a more specific example. So let's just say I have um, shoulder pain, right? Like something happened, I, I pulled my shoulder. So my pain is obviously what's in my shoulder. And most people stop there. Like they'll write like, oh, okay, I'm gonna solve like your your shoulder pain, come and like get this sh- shoulder pain done. But that's not really being empathetic to what their situation is like the problems that they experience as a result of that is like I can't lift my arm up past this like range. I can't reach the cupboard. It's my dominant arm and I can't grab my kid. Those are the real problems they're going to resonate to. And I would go even deeper, like if you really want to be empathetic and get to the emotions, like what is the consequence of that? Well, how does that affect them day to day? So if I can't uh, reach the cupboard, then you know, I feel like a failure because I have to like call my partner every time to like grab something. Or if I can't pick up my kid, I feel like a crappy dad. Right. And it might seem extreme, but like, and, and oftentimes this is kind of how it goes as far as more of a product based um, like marketing thing. And, and I would extend that further. If you do write fiction, you know what I mean? It's like there's a reason somebody reads fiction, right? That they have a block in their time that they could be spend watching Netflix well, why are they going to like read your book? Like what, what's in it for them to go down that road, which technically is more cognitively um, like heavy. Like it's harder to read a book than just zone out and watch Netflix, right? Like that's from at least my vantage point. And obviously take this a great assault because I'm not uh, a book author, but that's how I would look at that particular problem, right? It always starts with empathy and really deeply understanding who it is that you're looking to serve, who do you need to matter to the most? And then from that place, learning how to actually go out into the marketplace, whatever that is, doesn't have to be paid ads or whatever, but going out and creating the content, showing up in a way that meets them where they're at, right? So just to extend on that further with the shoulder example, I don't want to go out into the marketplace and talk about, okay, well, you know, I'm you know this certified in shoulder pain and like that that's not relevant that that I need to know that to solve the problems I need to show you that I understand your situation that I feel for you cuz you can't pick up your kid you want to pick up your kid as quickly as possible without coming to me to solve this like for 10 hours a week if I'm talking about that then I'm actually being empathetic to your situation and honoring my solution to that uh, in the best way that I can and kind of aligning those same interests. So when it comes to like writing copy, it, it really is about understanding who is going to buy this and how can I meet them where they're at before the decision to actually buy.
0: Oh, I love that, man. And, and uh, you know, most of the listeners here are, you know, they're coaches or holistic or spiritual entrepreneurs. And so, they're probably if they're not, they probably could be using the social media, the um, you know having a podcast or whatever YouTube channel, whatever they're gonna do. It's it's I'm sure it's so similar with the type of clients you're working with. And you know, I'm a coach as well. I I know the space where the copywriting is is kind of the bane of our existence as a coach when you're first starting. And I think for me something I ran into and and I want to get your point of view on this. Cause I think I'm not alone on this was, was, I think I wanted to just hit the shoulder pain and that was it because I was, I was kind of scared to like, I felt like I'm just going to, I'm going to hurt them. If I bring up all their shit, if I really like hit the nerve of the problem, I'm going to hurt them, but that's not really serving them. If I didn't, that, that was kind of the conclusion I took it was like, I really do have to kind of poke and prod that pain so they get emotional because that is like you're saying, the root of copywriting is getting that person so emotional that they actually take action. And sometimes that takes like a lot of you really have to stir them up, right?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. and and it's funny you bring that up because I was actually having that this same conversation, the same topic came up with um, somebody that I was working with uh, the other day. Where she was because she's gone through her own transformation as well. And again, that's what I think also what makes you a good coach. Um, she started to believe like, okay, well, I don't want to go back into the pain. I want to focus on where I want to go. I I don't want to like bog myself down with the past. It's in the past. I've resolved it. Let's move on with our life. And and I completely agree with that sentiment. I think there is a lot of value to that. But now when it comes to marketing she ended up not really knowing like, okay well how do i choose like who's my avatar how do i niche down how do i speak to them in a way that you know is going to matter to them and it was her reluctance in going back to the pain that really just kept looping these thoughts of i don't know right and, and i call anytime we have i don't know thoughts it's like quicksand it, it just pulls you deeper and doesn't really go anywhere right so What the realization for her was, it's like my fear of going into the pain and it's not necessarily to relive it, but just, you know, what are the the, the things that I still have not healed in myself to go back and inspect and view, right? My resistance to that is unhealed and it's keeping me from going forward to connect To the pain of others and that is a disservice to them right just like you mentioned so in my experience both personally and working with clients the the level of your ability to be empathetic the level of your ability to see somebody else's pain is directly proportional to our own personal ability to witness and accept and work through our own pain as well like i think it's they're they're directly correlational there. So on the one aspect, and that's kind of more of the, you know, personal inner evolution aspect, if we're going to go into copywriting here, you know, why are you resisting going into that pain, right? Is it a spiritual bypassing? Is it, I don't want to go there for some other reasons like that. That's the question I would pose. And then the other flip side of that is if, if you're okay with that and you want to go into it, Um, This is more of a mindset shift where it's you when it comes to marketing are no longer the technician and we what I mean by technician is like we have a craft of coaching and when the individual is front of us they are giving us the context with which to coach we know what questions to ask we know where to probe we know where to probe and that is what makes us good at our job when it comes to marketing. That person is no longer there. So the onus is on us to use that empathy to create the context through which we speak to somebody who has not yet committed to becoming a client. So their mindset, their level of consciousness is actually different than our clients. But because our brain defaults to, well, I just got to speak about the solution because that's what I do every day with my client. That's actually the exact wrong thing. Because somebody who is not a client yet, who is a prospect, who is learning about you, who needs to go down that journey to know, like, and trust you. They are somewhere along the lines of in their pain, right? And generally there's kind of like three different uh, phases that they have to go through. And if anybody here like follows Scott Olford, he talks about this SSF method, which is like the sidewalk, the slow lane and the fast lane, which is how close are people to actually getting into the mindset and consciousness of making that decision. So if they're in the far sidewalk, they may not even be aware of the extent of their pain. What what is their actual pain? like I could be aware that my shoulder hurts, but like I'm not aware to the extent to which that's happening until I lift my arm up. Suddenly, as soon as I lift my arm up, I'm now in the second phase where, okay, I have a problem. I'm looking for like a process to understand this. I want simplicity, not complexity here. So now I got to meet that person, you know, where they're at. And then finally, when they understand that process, they can now go into and, and then, okay, like now it's just a matter of, I like your process. I, I understand who you are, understand how you can help me. Now uh, it's just a matter of like getting like a vibe check. And, you know, are, are we a good fit to actually like work together? Right. So that's now different marketing as far as like objections, as far as a solution and as far as anchoring to their vision of, of what they want. Like, I, I want to be able to pick up my kid and not have my shoulder screw up again. So yeah, I mean, I know, again, that, that's a long winded answer with with a lot of different tangents. Um, so let me know what part of that, you know, resonated, landed, or, or you want more clarification.
0: No, I think that's so beautiful. And and I love the way you're kind of weaving all of this together. And and I want to go back a little bit to to not wanting to go into the pain or I think this shows up for people in so many different ways. And, and I think really kind of overarching term is really self-sabotage. It is a form of self-sabotage of like, well, I don't want to go into the pain because like you said, I really like the words, you know, spiritual bypassing. I think that's really common and kind of this new age spirituality, sometimes where there's all these great modalities. And I mean, at least for me, sometimes I have to like double check, like, am I spiritual bypassing something? You know, I always like to check that. And and so I think the self sabotaging, the bypassing, those kinds of things always come up. And, and I guess I would love to hear more about, like how we label those things. And, and specifically, I think we we kind of look for labels, like, I'm a perfectionist, or I have ADHD, or I have this, or I'm like this. So we can try to understand ourselves, compare ourselves to other people. But then the authority or some other person or a family member kind of tells you what's happening because now you've labeled it. Now you've given them the power. You've given that label so much more power than it deserves in my mind. Like I would, I would love to hear more about, about what you think about kind of how these self-sabotaging labels crop up through this process.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that, that is a topic that I love because not only have I spent 10 years working through other people's self-sabotage when it came to nutrition and lifestyle change, but I think it is the cornerstone of like my wounding in how it actually uh, manifested. Like, I was, like, I always had this narrative that I'm my, own, my biggest, uh, own worst enemy. Right, because of all these self-sabotaging habits. So I myself have had a lot of issues with regards to like emotional eating. Like that was one of the ways that I uh, handled my emotions in an unproductive way. Um, But just even with like, you know, general self-sabotaging bits in terms of, um, you know, addictive type behaviors, like everything except for drugs type of deal, right? So from watching tv to video games to distractions, so like all of that uh was always an issue when it came to business building right it's why i always talk about like we seldom have business issues as much as we have personal issues that show up in our business so with regards to self-sabotage and actually i think i posted a uh, podcast episode on this but when it comes to things like self-sabotage the way that I always like to view it is like self-sabotage is very real, but it doesn't actually exist. So how do I break that down? So how can something be real, but not exist at the same time? When we view self-sabotage, right? We give it this label. We we point to these behaviors, you know, that I mentioned or whatever you might consider your own self-sabotage. Those are very real. The consequences of those are very real. If I, you know, self sabotaged and like, avoided this, uh, podcast because I, uh, said, you know, I'm scared to do it or whatever the reason was, um, that has very real consequences, right? So that is something that I don't want to experience. So in that aspect, it is very real, but it doesn't actually exist because when you actually begin to break down your self-sabotaging patterns, they are always need-fulfilling, There is actually nothing that we do that doesn't get us what we want at some level, right? So we might not like the consequences of it, and that's the real part, but we always get what we want. So let's just take the food, for example, right? How many people overeat when they are stressed? The majority, right? Certainly more than under eat. In those times, what you actually want is emotional soothing. You have learned over time that food is an extremely reliable way to soothe that emotion, to numb whatever you don't want to feel, to distract you long enough to calm down, whatever combination of things end up happening. But until you accept, have awareness of, and work through the fact that you're actually getting exactly what you want on some level that might be stronger than you in the moment that it happens, that urge is stronger, or you don't have the skill set, the ability or the experience to handle those urges or how to, you know, work through them, whatever. Ultimately, all self-sabotage is need fulfilling. Okay. So, you know, you went into like labels as well. Like, I think labels are good because they give us something to point to, but if that's where your process stops, it becomes extremely disempowering. Oh, I'm a perfectionist, so you know, until I finish and, and overcome my perfections, I can't do this. Maybe, right? But perfectionism, again, is really, and, and I did a whole podcast series on this, but it's it's a coin made out of nothing where one side is ideal and the other side is fear. Right? Like perfect doesn't exist. It's either because I fear. What's going to happen if I don't control everything? Then I put this pretty bow on it with, and I label it perfectionism. So it doesn't actually mean anything because failure doesn't actually exist either. It's, it's what you think about it. And the flip side of that coin, which also means nothing is ideal. Like what is ideal? At best we have ideal for one person in this particular circumstances in comparison to another. So that also doesn't really exist right but we self sabotage by anchoring in this label and saying okay well you know now the you know my situation is like this because of this particular thing and that's true for imposter syndrome it's true for all of these other you know labels that we like to give to things like shiny object syndrome etc they all describe real things but none of it actually exists what exists is our disconnection from ourselves our indulgence in the repetition of thoughts that haven't really been serving us um, and are either unwillingness, fear, or inability to work through them in a way that essentially allows us peace because it has been my experience and my opinion that who we are beyond those thoughts and beyond these things is actually whole to begin with. And, it's more a matter of re, uh, like removing the friction in between than it is about actually like becoming something else. Again, I think it's another label. Like we become a higher version of ourselves. But what if we're just getting rid of the bullshit so that our higher self just naturally floats up, right? So that's kind of how I have looked at self sabotage, both personally in my own life, with whole assortment of clients dealing with different things. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's a subject I spend a lot of time thinking about. And to me, this has been the most practical way to, to look at it.
0: Oh, I love that. And, and the way you described almost like these layers falling off to actually reveal our truest, true highest self. And I think this is something that's gone through for, for my own journey was, was realizing that I don't need to be adding on. I don't need to be better. I don't need to be someone else or become something else what really needs to happen is I need to allow the old or things that don't serve me to fall away because at the core, like you said, we're already whole, we're already that highest self. We just have to open up to it. And, and I just want to thank you for, for saying that and, and bring that uh, in that context. Cause I think it's, you know, I think especially in the sales and copywriting and, and marketing, it's, it's so easy when we're starting out to be like, well, this is really scary. I don't want to do it or I fear it or there's so much, we kind of get bump up against all of our shit, like when it comes to selling. And I think for me, like selling myself as a coach, as a business owner, as an author, it was really hard. It took me a long time to kind of get that nasty used car salesman smell out of the whole, the whole idea of it. right? And I think this is a a big piece of, of marketing yourself is getting kind of
1: reframing that whole idea, isn't it? One hundred percent. And what crystallized it for me, but um, you're saying the sales, like, okay, I guess just go back a little bit, but when, cause I had to do most of the selling in the studio, um, even though like we had employees, most of the selling was still on me. So I had to get really good at it, like really fast, especially for, for that um, like the the weight loss space. And, you know, I had like five other gyms around me. We were the most expensive uh, one by far. But what I did a really good job at was like really, again, uh, along many iterations, like getting good at really identifying the pains and understanding um, who my people were. And just to give a little bit more context, like we were a weight loss center that combined exercise, nutrition and lifestyle coaching all in one place. So we dealt with individuals that had a lifelong struggle with weight and uh, you know had between 20 and 100 pounds to lose and wanted to do it without giving up wine or chocolate. So when it came to the actual sales thing, that when it really clicked for me was um, I heard a business coach, uh, Kevin Nations, he shared this video clip of him doing um, like a presentation, and he was like, "I want you to imagine." At the end of your life, going and knocking to every single door of every single person that you had the capacity and the ability to help, and when they open, you have to tell them, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I was uh, too scared to, you know, get my sales and myself on point to actually help you. So I'm, I'm just here to apologize now at the end of my life because you suffered more." you know, then you actually had to because I was scared. And I was like, whoa, well, that completely changes because now it's not about me, it's about them. And if I believe that I'm really good at what I do, which, you know, I, I not only believe, but we have the proof of it in terms of like their clientele, is like I, I have an obligation to get good at this skill. And really the skill of sales is like, how do you move somebody beyond like depending on how you do your sales, but let's just say how we did it at the studio was like you take somebody's pain and you make that extremely real. Like what are the consequences of you staying as you are, right? Combine that with the vision of what would their life be like if all these pains weren't here and presenting myself as the bridge that closes that gap, okay? And doing it in a way Where all you're really presenting back to them is like, hey, here's who you are based off of what, like, your words, your consequences of what you think is going to happen if you don't move forward. Here is where you want your life to look like. Okay. Here is the gap that's in front of you, regardless of whether you go with me or somebody else. You're going to have to solve these problems to close this gap. If you want to get started, here is the package that can solve and close this gap for you, right? But it's not like this high pressure thing. It really just comes down to being empathetic with where people are, helping them get through their own shit to like, be honest about where they want to go and being like, listen, I can take you there. Here's how I would do it. This is how much it costs. Let's work together, right? And that's obviously what I use in my business right now, but it's universal right? So when you don't make it about you having to pressure somebody, but instead make it about how do I make this into a coaching session that is actually about illuminating the factors of somebody making a commitment to themselves, it becomes a lot easier to actually do that. It actually can become fun to watch somebody, you know, go through that journey in that, you know, whatever, half hour, hour call. Um, and make that realization that they really need to commit to themselves. So yeah, that, that is a a super important one. uh, That certainly helped me and and I can see how it manifests in others as well.
0: Yeah. And, and I kind of just, I really want to highlight this theme that you're talking about and kind of tie it back to books for, for the podcast. And, and I think there's this for like first time authors, especially, or even people that write blogs, there's kind of, like you can write the most amazing beautiful book you can have the most amazing beautiful coaching program but if you can't sell it you really aren't going to help anybody and and I think this is a huge thing for authors that that they just have sometimes there's this hard time of of really learning to love that skill like you said learning to love the marketing the copywriting the social media the you know in this day and age with the self publishing and the hybrid publishing there's it's on the author. Like they've they've really got to turn those gears. Just like it's it's very similar to a coaching business where you're you have the social media, you have the email drips, you've got the YouTube channel. It's all kind of funneling towards this one thing. Instead of a coaching call, it's a book, and and it's. Uh, I just wanted to highlight that, like learning to love sales and marketing. That's something that definitely something that's I've gone through in my own journey. So thank you for highlighting that. And, and I want to um, shift a little bit and go back to journaling. And I would love to hear if you have any specific journaling techniques or maybe kind of prompts that you've used with clients that have some really big results and, you know, self-sabotaging or, or any of the topics we've kind of talked about throughout this podcast. Is there is there a specific prompts or techniques that you would recommend to help people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the the ones that actually I use um, are two, like you you can find these online. So one is from Brooke Steele, which runs the Life Coach School, and she has uh, the model that you know she has made famous in her own way, which is basically this prompt where you. I like have a blank page, and then it really is a prompt to solve anything that happens in your life. And I really do mean anything. So, the way that it goes is like you have at the top is your C line, which is your circumstances. So, this is where you write the objective fact of whatever it is that you are looking to inquire more deeply about, as far as, you know, how is this affecting me? Right? So it is the circumstances that oftentimes trigger the next line, which is your thought line. So basically, what do I think about that particular circumstances? And then from the thoughts, they cause the next line, which is your feelings, which is when I think this thought that is triggered by the circumstance, how is it that I actually feel? And then how I feel causes the next line, which is my action line. And that means that the feeling that I have is going to get me to do this particular action. And when I do that action, it's going to cause the last line, which is the results line. Okay. So looking at, let's just say that instance of, so I'm an author, but I hate to do marketing. So marketing would go at the top. That is the objective fact of what you're doing here. Right. You can point to it and say, this is, you know, marketing. This is not marketing, at least in the context of that author. So how do I think about it? So now we're going into the second line. Okay. So the marketing causes the thought or rather triggers the thought of, um, well, I'm an author. I'm not a marketer. Okay, great. That causes the feeling of what frustration, annoyance. Okay basically like I'm I'm kind of pissed off that I have to like learn to do this thing. Okay, well that feeling causes what action? Well it generally causes some action of avoidance, some action of inaction, right? Which by default actually is an action and it causes the result of nobody buys my books. So if I want different results in my life, I want to buy books, I can go up the model. So now the R line is at the bottom. So I want people to buy books. What action am I going to take? Okay. Well, I'm I'm going to talk more about my thing and I'm going to do it on podcasts as opposed to writing. How does that make me feel? Well, it makes me feel relieved because I don't have the pressure of actually like having to write. Okay. So now we go up in the second line, right? Which is thoughts. So the thought now becomes, well, maybe I don't have to write, maybe I can talk about what I do and I'll do it through podcasts, right? So that's just a general example, like just knowing your audience. But what I like about that process and the reason why I teach it is because it does a very good way of helping people connect first the the, the connection between what they think and the results they have in their life. Because every single result you experience in your life can be traced back to the thoughts we're thinking. And it also separates the circumstances from the thoughts because oftentimes we'll be, well, I'm pissed off because this person said this. The circumstances actually words came out of their mouth. It is what I think about what they said that actually causes me the feeling of being pissed off, which gives me the action of slamming the door and like leaving the room. And the result is I'm, I'm disconnected from this person, right? So we use that process in the 10 K norm program to actually like learn to self coach so that when they do actually go out and execute the phase two, which is like the marketing and like, they're actually getting out there, they're doing the thing that you just described people are resistant to. They now have a process they can come back to, to self coach their way out of, you know, again, that self sabotage and be consistent enough with these actions because they know how to self coach their way through it. So, that is a big one. Um, and then the other one that I also use quite a bit in my own coaching and definitely in my own self uh, is uh, Byron Katie's inquiry, right? So like the four questions and, and the turnaround. And I mean, I, I can go into that one as well, if you like, or if you have any questions on the model, I can answer those as well. So you, you let me know where to go. From yeah, I, w- I would love to hear the four question model that you're talking about. Yeah. So if uh, any, like a view of any listeners have heard of Byron Katie, um, so she has this process of inquiry um, that basically goes into the end result is like loving what is like being extremely rooted in reality and her stance on it is kind of like our, one of the main reasons of our suffering is that we go against reality. So the inquiry that she talks about is four questions that allow you to inspect your thoughts and seeing where they disconnected from reality. So it starts very simply with, you know, let's just say you do a brain dump. And I recommend, like, if you have a proclivity like me to write a lot, do a brain dump and then extract the main thought that kind of encompasses the the brain dump. And in the first part of inquiry is is it true? And normally, if it's something that is in your awareness, and if it's charged, the, the inclination will be yes. It, it is true, right? So next question: Well, like, is it really true? Like, is it, is it really objectively true in all times, in all instances, and in all ways that you could possibly look at it? Uh, depending on how charged the thing is, it, it you you might need to do some more work here to kind of get to the no. But what you discover is more often than not, the things that we feel charged about are not actually objectively true. And I can go into an example afterwards. We're just going to run through the questions first. So is it true? Is it really true? How do I react when I think this thought? So that's similar to like in the previous model, kind of that connection between the thought and the feelings. So that explores, well, how do I feel when I think this thought, what do I do when I think this thought? Um, and and really asks you to begin to inspect, like, is there a stress-free or peaceful reason to keep thinking this thought? And then the last question is, who would I be without this particular thought? So now it prompts you to inspect, essentially, who am I at my core without the bullshit that's getting me to deny my true essence and, and reality? And then the real benefit to it when, when you get through the four questions is the turnaround. And, and this is where you take the statement and you really flip it, uh, sometimes to its opposite, but sometimes to inspect its thinking. So, for example, because when I do this on myself, most of my statements are like I statements. So, you know, I was annoyed because this happened. When you get through the four questions and and you get to the turnaround, when you flip I statements or like me statements or I or me aspects of of the statement or the thought, and you flip it and turn it around and replace it with my thoughts or my thinking, you usually get to the core of what it's all about. So I was pissed off about this thing becomes my thinking was pissed off about this thing right? Why? Because I knew that who am I without this thought? Well, I'm at peace. I'm free. Uh, I'm enjoying the moment. Oh, so that's my true essence. But it's actually my thoughts that are pissed off about this. Good thing about my thoughts is I can let them go uh, when I have these realizations. So I can go into like a more specific example if you have like a thought, et cetera. But that is kind of the four questions and the turnaround that I use extensively with myself, like we were talking about journaling, uh, but definitely in coaching to help people separate, you know, the thoughts from the reality. And then the model, I actually, uh, like it's part of the curriculum in a 10 K norm program. And then we use it um, just because it's a little bit more broad and it connects the results and the circumstance a little bit more explicitly than inquiry. But those are my main uh, go-tos.
0: Oh man. I love that. Those two techniques are so beautiful of really really parsing out the details, what's real, what's not, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What are the actual results? Who am I? It's just, that's pure gold, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. And and just those two things alone could completely change your life. I think those two journaling prompts are just outstanding. Thank you. And uh, I'm curious, is there is there anything else that I haven't asked you that maybe you want to go deeper on? Is there
1: anything we haven't touched that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's, there's like so many different avenues we can go with. Like I've spent a lot of time diving into, you know, myself and, and different modalities of, of healing, et cetera. So, you know, not that I want to kind of throw it back at you, but I think like you knowing your audience best, what do you find that they struggle with um the most on kind of like a day to day basis?
0: You know, I think the first time author, and I and I think this goes for coaches as well is is you know you're just starting out or you you have the blank page or you have an outline at least, or maybe you got a business idea, and it's kind of like, am I actually good enough to write this book? Who am I to actually start this business? And it's that classic, you know, back to the labels, but the classic kind of imposter where I'm not good enough. And I'm curious how you, you help your clients kind of break through that.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I, I will use the term like, okay, if you're going to be an author, or if you're going to start a business, I, I'm really speaking from the experience of like starting businesses. Um, and having dealt with this myself in the last, year and a half as i made this transition the funny thing is it was actually way harder to do it the second time around than the first time around because the first time around i was just like yeah i just did stuff and some of it worked some of it didn't but i was like i wanted to get away from the nine to five and go into this thing and and do it so ironically for me it was easier the first time around the second time around was gut-wrenching in comparison to uh the first time around so For me, as far as going through it myself and then putting that into the program, because I witnessed, you know, my clients and people I was speaking to going through the same thing. It really comes down to what is the game that you really need to play in order to move forward? So what do I mean by that? Let's just say. Like, okay, if you're staring at a blank page and I can't actually write the blank page, the game you need to play might not be, you know, I got to look up more things on how to overcome writer's block, right? The game you probably need to play is sitting, potentially not even writing, but just sitting with yourself, having enough presence, having enough quiet time, To really get a sense of like what is rummaging through my head right now to stop me from doing this thing that i know i actually want to do getting good at that game ensures that you move through and actually um start making some progress on this thing and you know i'm pretty sure a lot of your audience has read uh the war of art by stephen pressfield where he talks about the resistance and how that comes up every single time we do anything creative, you know, writing, entrepreneurship, art, music, whatever. Um, That's extremely real. It's extremely real at any single moment. And it's actually included in the program as like, anytime we begin to do something novel, our primal self, which always has uh, first dips, it always goes first. It's hardwired into ourselves. So the fear of starting anything outside of the norm that you're used to is hardwired to be triggered, okay? That is really that experience of resistance popping up whenever we start something new, have a blank page, whatever. So if this is hardwired and if I know that it comes up every single time for every single human, then the right game to play is to allow myself enough grace to begin to have or develop or learn or get coaching on a process that helps me manage that turbulence of resistance, which is what kind of my addition to that idea of resistance. Cause it's every time you go through it to, you know, overcome it, you have to go through turbulence and just like turbulence in a plane, it's uncomfortable, but doesn't destroy you. Right? So that is the, the, the real true game to play. And we can play that game because our higher self, which ultimately doesn't go first, but has final say, right? It's it's got veto power over a primal self. To exercise the power of choice that it has, we have to get good at going through that turbulence of resistance. So if you're just starting out, that really is the game to play. Now, how you achieve that, like whether it's, you know, as Steven Pressfield talks about, like, I don't know when inspiration is going to strike, but it's going to strike at 9 a.m. every morning or 9am in the morning. Why? Cause he describes it as that's when I sit down and I write regardless of whether I write a shitty page or I write one word, but I've you know sat down and honored my word to overcome resistance. And that's a win, right? Or you get some sort of like formal process. Like I just talked about, you get coaching or whatever, like that, that part is up to the individual and, and knowing yourself and how you operate best. But the resistance is inevitable. At all levels, at all times, at all instances, uh, despite what Instagram is going to say, right? So the real true game to play is that one. And I think when we begin to accept that, it removes a lot of the pressure and it gives us the space and the grace and the presence to be in a better position to actually um, move through that. So that's what I would recommend and say as far as like, what do I do if I'm just starting out?
0: Oh man. I love that. And, and yeah, the war of art is, I think that is one of the best books ever written for me personally, like just how short and concise and how I think the first time I read that book, I was like, I have to go fucking do something. Like right now (laughs) I am so inspired and I'm so determined to like, fuck the resistance. I'm going to do it. And I was like, wow, that book really moved me. Like it really did inspire me like really big time. And I love that you bring that up because that book is um, actually as simple as it is. I do think those concepts in that book, the the idea of resistance is, it's actually life changing, like it could completely change your life. So yes, thank you for bringing that book up. And, and so Draska, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Um, how can they find out about the 10K norm? Where's the podcast? Where's all that
1: stuff? Uh, So I made it really simple. Everything is on 10knorm.com. So both the details for the program, my social media, uh, if people want to listen to the podcast, you can opt in and get bonuses to each episode where, you know, like we talked about certain things now, but the the bonuses actually have, you know, some of the um, like workbooks and like additional videos that I have for support on a topic if it interests you. So that resource is available, but all of it is uh, at 10knorm.com.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. And, and, uh, any final thoughts or any, anything I didn't ask you or, or anything to close out on?
1: Um, no, I think that this was, uh, really cool. I think, uh, what, what you run and, and, and how you run it, I think is, is very important because, you know, I think people always have this perception of, of the, uh, you know the the writer who's like can only write if he's smoking, you know, two packs a day with like a whiskey bottle beside him. And and I think to to break those stereotypes, just like in entrepreneurship, you have like the hustle culture uh, is such an important thing. And I think they're having gone through the hustle culture in many ways. That being also a contributing factor to the first business imploding. Uh, I think it's so important to have these types of conversations, have these types of spaces because. While that is a path, I don't think is necessarily, not necessarily, I don't think it's it's the best path. Certainly it hasn't been for me and for a lot of people that I know. Um, so the fact that you're having these conversations, the fact that you're giving people an alternative and giving them a path to follow, uh, I think is super cool. So very honored to, to have been here and uh, to, to be able to contribute my uh, spot in that as well. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate
0: that. And and for everybody listening, I just I hope we've inspired you to, to get some copywriting done, to at least read The War of Art and start writing that book that is just swirling inside your mind. And um thank you Drasco. Thank you for an amazing interview. And for everybody listening, just please go check out the website 10k norm. Go check his stuff out and even if you're an author and you're struggling with marketing, I really do think Drasco could help you and and, uh, if it's a good fit it'd be amazing and go check it out 10k norm and uh, please subscribe to the podcast and and we'll talk to you in the next one there's an infinite amount of books floating out there in the ether and all you have to do is tap into your highest self and write it what if you could go out in the wilderness or international trek and experience firsthand shamanic healing mental emotional release and write your first draft writing a book isn't about the book It's about the integration, healing that that book facilitates, isn't it? Because when the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And that's an amazing thing. If you've been procrastinating writing your book for years now, you can hear that book screaming for its life every night. Join me for a Backcountry Breakthrough. You'll experience guided trekking, daily energy sessions, mental emotional release, and writing sessions that guarantee a rough draft by the time you get back to the trailhead. Join me for a Backcountry Breakthrough. Go to mountainmindtricks slash backcountry-breakthrough. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash backcountry-breakthroughs. Writing a book isn't about the actual book because there, there's gonna be those obstacles that try and derail you from the actual writing. The key is preserving through the pain of writing every day. The book begins to highlight your emotional deep core wounds in a way that makes you wanna quit writing, right? But if you stay on the course, the old beliefs, the old identity of yourself, the negative ways of thinking begin to fall away. And suddenly, a new way of being starts to emerge. This is when the book begins to come alive and write itself. Because in this moment, you aren't writing the book. The book is writing itself as you have this internal transformation. This is the essence of healing through writing. Is your book screaming from the back of your mind? I know mine was. What would happen if your healing journey stopped here? You never got over that final hump. Your regret, remorse from not writing your book was the source of mind, body, future disease. I mean, what would you tell your clients if you couldn't work anymore? Go be healed somewhere else? I mean, what would happen if your business failed because you hold yourself back from your highest self? What would it be like if you regretted the book you never wrote? And your last thoughts on your deathbed was, I wish I would have written that book. See, all these things are tragic, but it's possible for you to reach your big dream and be a number one best-selling author. When the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. This is a powerful concept because when books heal the reader, they sell and they go number one bestseller. So I'm starting this movement of healing through writing and using the breakthrough session to release the root cause of writer's block, that procrastination, that loss of motivation when you started writing your book or you had the idea and you never started. There's one-on-one coaching calls, weekly homework and accountability, After a comprehensive health assessment, we build habits and systems and goals to keep you on track. There's MP3 guided meditations, one-on-one hypnosis, and then I really teach you how to get published, how to self-publish, or publish with my company, Mountain Mind Tricks Publishing. Then you leverage your book on podcasts, talk shows, speaking engagements, and you manifest that prosperity and passive income you're really looking for in your business. So I want you to check out BreakthroughWritersblock.com and join the Healing Through Writing movement. Be the best thing you've ever done in your life because writing a book will completely change everything. So go to BreakthroughWritersblock.com. Again, that's BreakthroughWritersblock.com. Are you a new author that's trying to wade through self-publishing of What category should I pick? Find the right designer, get an editor. What about the formatting? What's the dimensions that the actual spine of the book have to be? Is it gloss or white paper? There's so many different things that goes on in publishing. And that's why I'm dedicated to helping indie authors that have gone through this healing journey through writing their own book, publish that piece of art, publish that amazing work that could help heal others. And here's the thing. Is when a book heals the author the book heals the reader and this is so huge i know i say this all the time but it's so important and and i want to help the world make a huge impact by spreading more books that heal the reader so if this sounds like you i want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com publishing again that's mountainmindtricks.com publishing and if you're waiting through should i publish on amazon about ingram spark how do i get my book into bookstores What should I do to even launch a book? How do I get on podcasts? There's so many things that go into publishing. And again, that's why I'm here for you. I want to publish your book. So if this sounds like you, go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing.